0: Good evening and welcome to the Champaign City
1: Council study session for Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes from the August 17th, 2021 regular council meeting. Second. Is there any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye.
0: Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. City Manager. Thank you, Your Honor. This evening we have one topic on our study session agenda,
2: which is a discussion of the American Rescue Plan Act community input. As council and many members of the community are aware, the city is going to be the recipient of $25.3 million of funding from the federal government as part of the American Rescue Plan COVID relief funding. And we have gone through an extensive and robust community input process to help give input to council as you decide what our priority focus areas should be for the use of this funding. And so this evening staff is gonna present a summary of the community input and then seek your direction on how to focus some of these priority areas. With that, I'm gonna turn it over to Travis Woodcock from our finance department, who is going to lead the presentation.
3: Hi, I'm Travis Woodcock, the financial analyst for the city. I'm joined by Kay Nees, the finance director of the city. I wanted to start off and provide a brief overview of the American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA for short. ARPA provides about 350 billion in funding for state and local governments to help with the response of the COVID-19 pandemic. The city's portion of the funds is about 25.3 million, of which the city has already received half. The funds are overseen by the US Department of Treasury and there are many requirements around the use of these funds and there are a handful of eligibility categories where the funds can be spent the treasury department is still finalizing its guidance and more details are yet to come in addition the spending of these funds will also need to adhere to the federal uniform guidance which is an extensive set of rules and requirements for all federal awards As previously mentioned, there are several eligibility categories where the funds may be spent. The first category is addressing the negative economic impacts caused by the public health emergency. This category includes aid to unemployed workers, job training, funding for food, housing, and other financial insecurities, supporting small businesses, speeding the recovery of tourism, travel, and hospitality sectors, And finally, rebuilding public sector capacity. Another category is serving the communities and families hardest hit by the pandemic. Possible areas of funding in this category include funding for the community health workers, public benefits navigators, remediation of lead hazards, and community violence intervention programs. Also investments in housing and neighborhoods, addressing educational disparities, and promoting healthy childhood environments. Other categories include supporting the public health response, replacing lost public sector revenue, providing premium pay for essential workers, investing in water and sewer infrastructure, which includes drinking water infrastructure projects and wastewater infrastructure product projects, including stormwater. And finally, investing in broadband infrastructure in areas that are currently either not served or underserved. The American Rescue Plan Act also lists two specific ineligible uses for the funds. These include funding to offset a tax reduction and extraordinary contributions to pension funds. The Treasury Department guidelines also indicate that general infrastructure projects Will not be considered unless they are needed to respond to the pandemic, and debt service costs, legal settlements, judgments, deposits to rainy day funds, or financial reserves are also not allowed. In addition to these regulations, at the June 8th study session, Council provided direction on a set of guiding principles for using the ARPA funds. These principles include investing in sectors of our local economy that were hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, ensuring that the historically underserved residents, neighborhoods, and commercial areas of the city are prioritized for support and reinvestment, and maximizing the impact of the available funding by providing significant financial resources to address unmet needs across Champaign, making investments that improve our residents' quality of life and supporting and advancing economic opportunities across the community. Lastly, all the funds must be spent by December 31st, 2024. Given the wide range of possible uses of the funds and potential impact these funds could have on the community, gathering public input was a crucial part in trying to determine how to utilize these funds. The initial step was to create a webpage, champagneil.gov ARP, to serve as an information hub to the community. The webpage contained um, items such as a summary of ARPA information, links to official ARPA web pages, videos of, of staff explaining the details of ARPA, a link to the survey, and a list of community input sessions and engagement activities. City staff got the word out to the community with social media posts including Facebook, Twitter, and Nextdoor, interviews with the media, attending neighborhood block parties, a podcast with the mayor, and and announcements at council meetings and other community group meetings. Gathering of public input started with a survey, followed by attending community events and hosting community input sessions and finally wrapped up with a community engagement activity. To gauge the community's general thoughts on how the city should spend the ARPA funds, a short survey was created. This survey was available to take online, by paper at the city building, or with staff at several community block parties. In all, the survey was taken 398 times. The detailed answers for each of the questions can be seen in attachment A of the report. But in summary, there were two main questions that were asked. What should be the city's highest priority over the next three to five years? And please select the top four most important priorities for funding. The first question was an open-ended question with a wide range of responses. As mentioned before, the list of each response can be seen in attachment A. Staff categorized these responses into groups of keywords which can be seen in this word cloud. Of the keywords, several themes showed up a number of times. Police support 91 times, violence intervention 77 times, public safety 31 times, infrastructure 30, crime prevention 29, and supporting neighborhoods including Garden Hills 21 times. For question two, the percentage of each category selected can be seen on the graph, but the four categories that were selected by far the most times were community violence intervention programs at nearly 69%, water sewer and stormwater infrastructure at nearly 48.5%, and services for residents without addresses and other housing programs at nearly 46.5%. AND, LASTLY, OTHER AT NEARLY 42%. IN THE OTHER CATEGORY, BY FAR THE MOST COMMON TOPIC WAS SUPPORTING THE POLICE DEPARTMENT AT JUST OVER forty or 64% OF ALL RESPONSES THAT WERE WRITTEN IN. IN ADDITION TO THE HIGH-LEVEL OVERVIEW THAT THE SURVEY WAS DESIGNED TO PROVIDE Designed to provide there was also a desire to give the community an opportunity to have a more in-depth discussion with city staff Both in-person sessions as well as online sessions via zoom were offered City staff were trained to be internal facilitators in order to answer questions and take notes Community volunteers were trained to be external external facilitators to guide the discussion the guided discussions were focused on four topics What programs or actions could the city take to assist the areas of of the economy impacted by COVID-19? What would you consider to be the biggest needs of neighborhoods and how could the city address these needs? What should be the city's highest priority over the next two to five years? And finally, looking ahead several years, how do you hope this effort will have improved life in Champaign? Full notes of these discussions can be seen in attachment B. One of the most prevalent themes during these discussions was stopping community violence. Suggestions to help this problem included violence prevention programs, youth programs, providing safe spaces for the community, social programs, and providing victim support. Another highly discussed topic was neighborhood support, particularly for Garden Hills. Items discussed included improving infrastructure such as lighting, sidewalks, flooding issues, and adding bus stops, as well as neighborhood business support, such as business development and available grocery stores and other services in these neighborhoods. Other recurring topics during these discussions included supporting residents without addresses, affordable housing, and supporting both businesses and residents that were negatively affected by the pandemic. On August 10th, the city hosted a community engagement activity where the community could provide input on how to best utilize the ARPA funds. Similar, similar to the community input sessions, KNE started off the event by giving a brief presentation about ARPA funding objectives and allowable uses. Following the presentation, city staff from various departments hosted an open house with engaging activities and information. The displays on each booth can be seen in attachment C. The community participants each received 25 million in faux ARPA dollars to allocate to categories as they saw fit. This allowed the community to not only vote for which topics they felt were important, but also included a way for them to show how much the city should allocate to each category. This graph shows how the funds were spent. The vast majority of the funds were spent on infrastructure, community violence prevention, and housing affordability. In addition to the survey and community events, staff also received comments from the community via email, comment cards, and other correspondence, all of which can be seen in detail in attachment D of the report. Now I'd like to turn the presentation over to Kay. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Travis. Across all of the various different methods of gathering public input, there were three categories that consistently stood out. Uh, These categories include water, or include infrastructure improvements in underserved areas, including water, sewer, and storm sewer, Uh, community violence prevention and intervention, including policing, and funding for services for residents without addresses and other housing programs. One of the unfortunate things about the pandemic is that it exacerbated already existing issues in communities, and the city of Champaign is really no different in that respect. As such, it is not surprising that city council already had adopted council goals around many of these areas prior to the pandemic. However, in many cases, these goals either had not been advanced due to city staff workloads and shifting priorities during the heart of the pandemic or due to a lack of funding. For example, in the category of Infrastructure in Underserved Areas, City Council already had goals around finding ways to advance storm sewer drainage projects in Garden Hills and provide lighting options. In light of those goals and the public input received to date, at the August 31st study session, City Council provided direction to advance phases two and three of Garden Hills drainage by about seven years and allow for improved lighting programs uh, utilizing 11 to 13 million of ARPA funding. This left about 12 to 14 million of ARPA funding available. Council could also provide direction to allocate additional ARPA funding to infrastructure projects. However, with funding already allocated to infrastructure, the two remaining areas out of those top three where council could consider directing funding are community violence intervention and prevention, including policing, where there already exists the council goal, work with community members and organizations to support efforts to deter gun violence. Staff has already done extensive research on several violence prevention and intervention models, which includes Cure Violence, Advance Peace, which is based on the Richmond model, and the Oakland ceasefire models. City staff has also worked with community partners through the Champaign County Community Coalition on programs that align with these models, such as CU Fresh Start, Community Violence Response Task Force, and CU Trauma and Resiliency Initiatives that directly address gun violence in our community. Staff, however, staff research that has has determined that in order to strengthen the city's current initiatives, the development of additional programs and regular program evaluations are critical. In addition, under the American Rescue Plan Act, funding for police programs related to addressing gun violence is also an eligible expense. So under the category of funding for services for residents without addresses and other housing programs, council already had the existing goal of support the creation and sustainability of year-round emergency shelter. This goal was initially achieved through providing funding through CU at Home. Emergency shelters for both men and women were available throughout the pandemic. However, CU at Home announced in May of 2021 that all shelters would be, services would be temporarily paused. The shelters reopened in August of 2021, but as sober or dry shelters, which limit access to vulnerable community members. Therefore, the continuum of service providers to the homeless will be considering other options for these needed services within our community. Funding for multiple services will likely be needed for such a shelter. City staff recommends directing remaining ARPA funds towards these two categories as they align with public input and existing council goals. City council can then further refine their direction for spending under these categories during the upcoming council goal setting process which is set to begin on September 28th and 29th. In addition to those categories, hold on, there we go. So in addition to those categories, council could also direct funding for any of the following areas, which received a smaller level of public support during the input process. The areas of workforce development, community health initiatives, broadband initiatives, and small business assistance, all received about the same level of public support with workforce development receiving a bit more than the rest. The categories which received the least amount of support were speeding the recovery of tourism, travel, and hospitality, and then a variety of other mostly uh, written-in areas. So Council had indicated previously that they would be interested in a proposal process to allow outside agencies to submit proposals for a proportion of the ARPA funds. City staff recommends that once council has identified some of the spending areas and any additional council goals, that through the development of the implementation plan, determining where it could be advantageous to partner with outside agencies and other service providers. Once these goals are identified, then city staff can develop a proposal specifically for the programmatic goals that the city is looking to achieve in those areas. Alternatively, council could direct staff to develop and issue, a proposal process for a broader solicitation of proposals or a different process altogether. And just as a reminder that any outside agency uh, who receives funding under the American Rescue Plan Act will become a sub recipient of the grant and have to follow all grant rules and regulations and the city will have to monitor the subgrantee for compliance. So working with sub-grantees and potential sub-grantees will be just one of many additional steps that finance staff will need to perform related to ARPA funding. As such, city staff is recommending the creation of a temporary grants manager position. This position would be a temporary position through June 30th of 2025 and have an estimated salary and benefits of around $102,000 per year. The position would be responsible for ensuring that the ARPA award funds are used for eligible purposes and that the city remains in compliance with treasury requirements as well as federal regulations. Assisting outside agencies in meeting grant requirements, performing risk assessments, and developing subrecipient agreements and monitoring and reporting on subrecipient expenditures and activities. Tracking all city expenditures and maintaining all necessary supporting documentation for grant compliance, and meeting all reporting requirements, including the filing of quarterly reports, which requires details on individual projects, expenditures, project demographic distribution, and subawards. So in addition to working with outside agencies, city staff will be in regular communication with other government agencies to determine if there are any opportunities for collaboration in order to avoid duplication of efforts and increase the impact of funding across the community. Some of these governments have already submitted requests for funding and proposals for partnerships, which have been included in the report. So recommended next steps are in the third quarter, uh, council uh, will begin its goal setting process. Under this process, council can set goals that will provide additional direction to staff. Then in the third and fourth quarters, there will be the budget amendments and salary and staffing ordinance for the Garden Hills infrastructure projects, creation of the Garden Hills TIF districts, And if approved, the grant manager position will all be brought forward for budget amendments. Then in the first quarter of 2022, uh, the initiatives for ARPA goals and projects will begin to be advanced to council and then issuing requests for proposals for outside agencies related to ARPA funds, as well as council actions to create the Garden Hills TIF and then approval of plan of finance for funding of Garden Hills drainage projects, phases two and three. And then finally tonight, we have our poll question, which is asking Council to provide direction to staff on the priority areas for utilization of the American Rescue Plan Act funding, a proposal process to allow outside agencies to submit proposals for a portion of the ARPA funds, and the creation of a temporary grant manager position. At this point, I will turn it over to Council for technical questions. Technical questions, anybody? I
0: don't see any. If anyone in the audience wishes to address this issue, please step forward, state your name, and City of Residence, please limit your comments to five minutes or less.
3: I hadn't...
5: I hadn't planned on being first, but my name is Ricardo Diaz. I'm actually a resident of Urbana. Um, And in your packet, you have a letter from us at the new American Welcome Center uh, in regards to the rescue. Um, But especially, I'd like to add and put a face to it in that, a goodly number of the residents of Champaign um, are foreign born. Uh, in the county, we have over twenty five thousand people that were not born in the u s but are local residents. We contributed at least fifty seven million dollars in state and local taxes directly uh, and accounted for of course we 're regular residents and we uh, participate in all the other activities and in your surveys, you you know we're in there uh, but i'd like to add to the fact that Um, Tomorrow, we'll be releasing um, the welcoming plan for the county. Uh, These are the sponsors and the many groups that have participated. The plan itself will be released. It is the result of three years of work. A survey much like yours, and I appreciate the data, Uh, we got over 800 responses to the general uh, survey. Uh, 80 uh, employers. 80 agencies that serve and have to do with immigrants. I think you will, you are invited, uh, but I think you will find that the data is sliced differently as to what the needs are. And so my, uh, my invitation today is to consider uh, that as you spell out what the RFP might look like, that you put out a line a requirement, however you wanna view it, as to what are you planning to do to make your uh, expenses more inclusive of those that are residents, but not yet integrated citizens. Uh, You will find that, um, I mean, the the demographics of the immigrants in our county are that almost 70% are college graduates, almost 48% of them are masters and PhDs. That is, we tend to think of immigrants sometimes as the bus boys, as the people running our restaurants. They are an important part, especially during COVID and the front lines. But the balance of immigrants in the county is uh, quite distributed in both in educational factors and also needs. The last thing I'd like to uh, bring before you is um, this week, aside from the launch of the welcoming plan, and I'm here to distribute, I just don't know the protocol, different formats uh, of welcoming week. If you don't feel yourself informed yet as to the presence of immigrants and the impact we have, this is, uh, this week, designated by uh, a proclamation is Immigrant uh, Welcoming Week um, in both cities and in the county. Also, proclamations have been issued. There's lots of activities because of you know uh, the virus. Uh, many of them have shifted to be uh, uh, online. Uh, but on Saturday we have the welcoming awards in which we have we 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 search out, we put up for for nominations, and we put together six uh, recipients of awards that have made contributions in different levels, from students to businesses that have been especially welcoming. Uh, to our foreign-born residents. So I'm gonna pass these on to the city clerk and I thank you for your attention. Thank you. Just
0: as a reminder, we do have general comments at the end of the meeting. Comments right now are to be limited to the item before us. If anyone wishes to address council, please step forward, state your name, and city of residence. Uh,
6: Yes, my name is
7: Tom Moore from Urbana. Am I I to understand that the uh, format for the proposals is not yet set and that you have to do, you still have to do that. Okay, thank you.
0: Anyone else wish to address the council, please step forward.
8: Hi, Eddie Pratt, Jr., resident of Urbana and the campaign lead for hashtag match the meal or the swift push. Um, firstly, I would like to thank you for including uh, our signatures and petitions that we gathered uh, in the last two and a half months as part of, uh, you know, the, the thought of where uh, the community needs are as far as the ARP funds are concerned. Uh, I want to put in perspective a little bit of just what came about as far as that labor is concerned. So um, this was a volunteer effort, firstly. So... Um. You're, you're, you're talking about people who, you know, work like everyone else works, so we're, we're trying to find time to do these things. So uh, it was very minimal because, you know, people don't have a lot of time. So one day a week, uh, members of the CUDSA, that I'm also a part of, and members of the Party for Socialism and Liberation, they both picked a day each. Uh, Fridays for PSL, Fifth and Hills, Saturday. CUDSA, in and Guardian Hills for about an hour. And the there were some things that uh, we found out through engagement with folks, right? Like something I, I alluded to, you know, the fact that a lot of people have no bearing of, you know, city council, when it happens, what district ward they're in because of having to fight to survive every day. And uh, most people in these situations tend to not be moved or swayed by anything that doesn't influence that. So engaging these people and telling them about the SWIFT program, which most of them did not know exist at all, these people were extremely receptive to it. And so those numbers reflect that. And I just want to put it in perspective that this was a very minimized outreach effort. Now, if, if it was, say, an actual part of the sort of program coming from the staff, I mean, when you have an institution with, you know, resources, you can do these things, which is what you're going to have to do to pull people in. I mean, it should be pretty apparent to you by now. I mean, a lot of people out in Fifth and Hill and anywhere else around in Champaign, if they're just working, do they know when city council is? Most of them don't. But if people had better jobs, if people had just a chance to have a better job, to not be trapped in this system during this this pandemic that's ongoing, right, you know where all this stress builds up and cups run over and violence happens, and these things keep happening habitually in the same spots right, and in every other city it's in the same spots right there's common denominators, and so I would hope that uh We are committed to fighting that right at the root, and this is just a small part of that. And people are now knowing of that. We, through these this petitions, we have explicit numbers that are comparative to the current enrollee number for SWIFT right now through this action just through this small minuscule outreach we did that just people but what could we do if we actually wrapped ourselves around it and this is just a small part of it all and a small part of the american rescue plan funds we're talking about two million dollars as a frontline ask here we're not talking about half, we're talking about one million per city. That is less than 5% here in Champaign, less than 10% in Urbana. And again, I'd like to thank you for you know being fair and allowing us to show you the fruit of that labor. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Pratt. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please step forward.
9: Good afternoon, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, My name is uh, Reverend Jacqueline Miner, and I think what my concern was that I didn't see anything specifically in in the proposal for the youth. I am one of those people that am a product of my community, and I think that activities have to be always implemented with monies coming to a city. How do you make the city better? You make the city better by starting with your young people, and I would like to know if there's still if there's going to be some kind of discussion to specifically put money into the community. And it's been proven that uh, community workers, people that live in the community, always have better results than people that don't live in the community and just come in to do work. If you invest in that community from the people that live there to its youth, you will see a change. And to the extent that this amount of money is coming into this city, and there's nothing designated to build up our young people. I work at a funeral home, and the majority of the deaths within the last year have been young adults under 16. That is troubling. So I would hope that as we move forward that perhaps it was overlooked, but that would be a a component that has to be placed into this initiative, our young people and improving their lives. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else?
10: Good evening, Council. My name is Patrick Thompson. I am the owner of Via Inc., uh, we are a uh, minority construction firm uh, located in Champaign, Urbana. Um, I am here tonight to talk about the, um, the funds and uh, I wanted to bring up two things. Um, One is, I know for, uh, probably for the past decade now, I know there's been a mention of doing a disparity study. Uh, Probably some of the members, some of the members that have been on the council for a while probably will remember that. Uh, I imagine it's probably been over 10 years, but I think those funds, now, you should maybe possibly look at doing a disparity study to actually get document to see what type of um, contractors you have, what are those concerns, what are those issues, um, uh, are, they, are your contractors um, um, willing and able to perform the work? Are they um, commercially used function? Goods and supplies. I think the state of Illinois is getting ready to do their disparity study, but I think this is a good time now to to look at possibly hiring somebody to come in and do a disparity study for the city of Champaign to capture some of that, um, you know, local contracting supplies businesses, whatever you guys want to put in, have the uh, have them come in and study. So I think this would be a good time to use some of those funds for that. I think I think I might have heard when we were when you guys were talking about it, and nobody probably will remember but Kyle and Bruno there. Um, but I think it was, what, $50,000 or something? I think that was maybe the cost of something that you guys were looking at, hiring somebody to do a disparity study. Um, so I think, you know, $50,000, $100,000, I think is a good time to um, – to look at that. My other um, suggestion for those ARP funds is to um, look at, you know, and over the years what I've been seeing as far as um, some of the mentoring of youth, uh, you know, young adults in the community, I think I've saw a lot of um, you know, agencies in different states actually going out and hiring people similar with those type of backgrounds. You know, and I think if that's gonna be, I think that should be a commitment from municipalities to look at hiring, you know, and, you know hiring some of these um, individuals, you know, provide them some training, you know, provide them if they wanna go back to school, but allowing them to be mentors, you know, allowing them to, to actually have, an, uh, um, you know, a real positive effect in some of these, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, positive role models or role models, I mean, you, you know, it, it, you see it on TV every day, you know, different states, you know, where they have young men that say, hey, I was, you know, in trouble, you know, a lot growing up and I changed, and now I'm a mentor, you know, and I've been able to, you know, help a lot of people because somebody helped me, you know. So I think, you know, from a, um, you know, in the times we're living in, I think that would be a good use of some of those funds, you know. Uh, I think you guys already have some structure in place, you know, and and some oversight, you know, to kind of say, you know, well, let's, you know, let's look at some hiring, you know, partnering with, you know, and just not say we just want to facilitate, you know, some partnering with local organizations, businesses as well. So I would ask that you guys consider that and I will probably be back at public comment to talk a little bit more. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please step forward. Please state your name and city of residence and please limit your comments to five minutes or less.
11: I'm City of Urbana. I'm a co-chair of the Champaign-Urbana Democratic Socialists of America. Eddie's already started to frame uh, the canvassing effort that we've done. Before I address additional remarks, I want to emphasize the Fifth and Hill community still has been advocating for support in getting the Illinois EPA to hold Ameren Illinois accountable with the continuing concerns of water pollution among other things in their community. I would very much hope that that is addressed with the American Rescue Plan funds. The DSA has largely been canvassing in the Garden Hills community. We didn't canvass just so that our demands would be met. You saw us advocating here to make sure that their infrastructural issues were meaningfully addressed that has a very convoluted history and has a racially disparate impact. I also want to note in particular that youth programs are very much key and may not cost as much as you may think. I've used this anecdote many times before because it is impactful and the actual behaviors that it was elicited and the enthusiasm of the kids involved. A year or two ago, kids that lived across the street from me were with an overburdened mother, to say the least. Occasionally, she would ask me to help with her kids. I had taken those kids to the Urbana Free Library But because I realized, after driving them to and from school a few times, that they didn't know how to read all that well. I told them I didn't care how many words were in the book. I didn't care how many pictures there were. You read a book aloud to me in the cafe area and I buy you a milkshake. They asked me to go to the library a lot. You might be surprised how small incentives can help kids Pursue an education, not with trinkets necessarily, but things substantive. You would be surprised at the number of kids who are unwilling and afraid to enumerate how food insecure they are. Look at the Feeding America data set on Champaign County. We have a pretty high childhood food insecurity rate according to their estimates, which stopped in 2018 after the SNAP program was made more restrictive. I also want to note that in Florida they had something called dual enrollment, where high school students may substitute some of their high school classes by enrolling at the local community college. I'm unaware if that currently exists. However, I would strongly recommend adding supports to it if it does, and if it does not exist, instituting such a program. It was very, effective for my upbringing, and I think that it will help for many other kids. The Support for Workforce Training Program is part of the Workforce Equity Initiative, which has a 75% black student enrollment rate statewide across 17 institutions. The average enrollment is, was around 243. The numbers changed recently, and the web scrapers didn't capture historical data, so that's maybe a little out of date. I'm told that the enrollment at Parkland was 52. Now, that does not mean that Parkland wasn't doing a great job. It's a smaller institution than many of the other institutions that are part of that program. But out of the 384 petition signatures we have so far collected, we had 42 people expressed interest in the SWIFT program. We had people including youth at the Transit Hub, whose first response was, we're never going to see any of that money. Upon us telling them that you didn't need a GED, you didn't need a high school degree, you didn't even need literacy in order to be eligible for that program, they all signed. That trend has continued as we had canvassed throughout Garden Hills. So I urge you to reflect on that when considering the use of the American Rescue Plan funds. Have a good evening.
0: Thank you, is there anyone else? Please step forward, state your name and city of residence.
12: Hello, my name's Karen Johnson. And I'm here representing two businesses that I'm associated with today. Um, One is Eleanor's Catering and Cafe. Um, We've had several pop-up events um, at Lincoln Square. And we are in need of funding to bring jobs to the community. Um, We are hard workers. Um, Everyone is very dedicated. And we're just looking for funding to get this off the ground. Um, The second organization that I'm associated with is Angels Youth Center. Um, We were um, in the newspaper. We were also featured in the WCIA um, for the 48 Hours of Peace. And we do care about our young youth as well. Um, And we are here to help them um, and give them the tools that they need to succeed. Um, I know that you guys aren't ready and the application isn't released, but I'm just asking that you consider our two organizations for funding um, and that we are informed when this can be released um, and asking for help to complete the application so that we can receive funding. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to
0: address the council? Please step forward.
13: Hello everyone, uh, my name is Dat Lu, uh, co-chair of UIUC wadsa uh, the Young Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, I just want to say um, that my family came to America with nothing. They had absolutely nothing. But it was because of programs like the SWIFT, uh, near where they lived, and of which both my parents attended uh, small community colleges like Parkland, that they were able to learn the skills necessary for them to find uh, good paying jobs and to raise my uh, siblings and I uh, to the uh, men and women we are today. And they always instilled us, through the lessons they learned uh, while attending these programs, attending college, that education is so important. Education is the key out of ignorance, out of despair. Uh, It is the key to understanding how you can uplift yourself from wherever you may be in your life. This is what they taught me. And I, and I believe that. Um, and during these times where things are hard for so many Americans, um, I think that uh, we need to use the funding that we have now given to us um, to invest in communities that need it the most. And we can build futures, we can build uh you know life out of the immense uh, uh, loss that we have all uh, experienced through these troubled times, and I want to be able to look at you know my government, the public officials of this country uh knowing that they will serve the public, and that they will support uh, programs like these that uh, have proven to be uh, effective. Um, And yeah, uh, I I, I sincerely hope that um, you folks will, will prove me right. So, with that being said, I uh, sincerely hope that you folks uh, decide to provide the SWIP program uh, with more funding. Thank you.
0: Thank you, is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please state your name and city of residence.
7: Hi, it's uh, Craig Walker, City of Champaign. Um, I apologize I didn't realize you were gonna have that available Uh, I wanted to first give uh, Patrick uh, definitely second his support that uh, certainly it's time for both the city of Champaign City of Urbana and Champaign County to come together and do a disparity study for this whole Champaign County region it's been long overdue and it can be very effective of providing data upon which decisions by all the local governments and agencies can make uh, decisions um we clark solutions with byron clark and myself made a presentation to the county board uh, on august 31st apologize it was actually the day also of the garden hills study session upon which we why we weren't able to attend that a program of course that i support very much but it is a program designed to provide homes for homeless families And when you're a homeless family, that doesn't mean necessarily you're living on the street. You could be living with your cousin, living on a couch, staying in a hotel. And I think when you look at a family, children particularly could be aged from 16 to six six or two. The psychological impact of that is tremendous and the trauma is very real and we don't have resources in Champaign County to deal with that. The congregate housing is not, uh, sh- the congregate shelter is not really an appropriate uh, vehicle for families. So the proposal we put forward and that we sent by email to, to all of you and to talked to many of you about, takes leveraging a million dollars from this city, Champaign, million dollars from Urbana, three million dollars for the county to create $5 million to purchase 30 homes. And when I say purchase, that could mean acquire through means of private sale, through means of foreclosure. It can also be building new housing stock on city-owned land or county-owned land, which some of you are aware are available. That would provide cost where we would, our estimates are budgeting around $150,000 per home, that'd be about four and a half million dollars. And you would create a, either utilize an existing or create a new nonprofit multi-agency that could be go forward as an affordable housing trust. And with that investment, with those 30 homes, and we've talked to the Housing Authority about this, you would also then get project vouchers on each of these homes of $1,200 per month, which would generate $36,000 per month and in excess of $400,000 per year for this trust. Now in 30 homes, if you just allocate $10,000 per home to the uh, maintenance, you're still gonna have a net positive. So I think as it relates to the ARPA, this satisfies the test of A, creating a need or filling a need, because 30 homes, if you have anywhere between two to four children, You're talking somewhere between 60 to 100 of the current 300 to 500 students who are homeless getting shelter, having a home. And of course, you would have to have wraparound services and things to help give them the boost up. And we would definitely detail that in a proposal. But this gives the foundation. And not in addition to foundation, it's sustainable on its own. So with the initial five, million dollar investments, you're essentially making an equity investment into affordable housing trust, which will then generate revenue, which then grow organically and build more affordable housing. Might be homeless families this time, might be homeless veterans in another sector, might be affordable housing for other types of families. Another great uh, part of this concept is it's scattered, so you wouldn't be focusing and concentrating. It all in one area or one one uh, project development, so we think this is a very exciting proposal. It's really the only substantive proposal we've seen that actually creates housing, and then when you think about things like youth build at CHA and all the ways you can involve the youth to help actually rehab or build this housing, the opportunities and the uh, impact is limitless. so I really uh, was here to just Reiterate, we ask for your support, and we definitely intend to propose with either one or probably more, one or more than one agency within Champaign County. Thank you very Thank much.
0: You. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council, please step forward.
14: Good evening, council. My name is Rita Connerly, and I am a local native here in Champaign-earned Champaign, excuse me. I come today to the council as a black and Latina citizen in this community. As a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, an aunt, a cousin, a friend, a woman of color. I come to ask for more resources to be given to the attention to the protections of black women. And I implore each of you to understand the importance of safeguarding us. There is a history of violence against women of color, black women. In order to save America from itself, we have to empower and protect black women. Black women have been uh, disproportionately experiencing violence, not only in the home, but at schools, on the job, and in their neighborhoods. For your reference, the status of black women in the United States details many of these violences. Black women face high rates of intimate partner violence, rape, and homicide. Black girls and women also experience institutionalized racism and are disproportionately punished in schools, funneled into the criminal justice system after surviving physical and sexual abuse, disproportionately subjected to racial profiling and police brutality and incarcerated at rates far exceeding the share of their population. The data shows that more than four in 10 black women experience physical violence from an intimate partner during their lifetimes. White women, Latinas, Asian Pacific Islander women report lower rates. Black women also experience significantly higher rates of psychological abuse, including humiliation, insults, name calling, and coercive control more so than other women do. Sexual violence affects black women at high rates. More than 20% of black women are raped during their lifetime, a higher share than among women overall. Black women face a particularly high risk of being killed at the hands of a man. More than nine in 10 black females knew their killers. But many are hesitant to confront, let alone acknowledge, that the sexual assault of black women was institutionalized during slavery and perpetuated under Jim Crow and beyond. So why are we, the city of Champaign, not aligning with more meaningful conversations around H.R. 8196, Protection of Black Women and Girls Act 2020, introduced by our own Congress Rep, Robin Kelly, which was established to examine the conditions and experiences of black women and girls in education, economic development, health care, labor and employment, housing, justice and civil rights. To promote community-based methods for mitigating and addressing harm and ensuring accountability. And to study societal effects on black women and girls and for other purposes. Because and despite the disparities of uh, women of color still lead and still have led Things such as the Underground Railroad, where the unsung leaders of the suffrage movement um, organized Freedom Riders, paved the way of constitutional protections against sex discrimination, and also remain consistent voting, the, the consistent voting block in the United States standing up for rights for marginalized people. Black women are still exceeding the bar of success and also trailblazers. I'd like to take a moment just to thank Joan Walls, because as a black woman, it is very difficult in the workforce. I also want to implore each of you to look at the history here in Champaign, where we have seen in just the last two years an attack on our black women. So I would definitely love to see more of these funds geared towards the protections and empowering black women. This information that I did does not include trans. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please step forward.
15: Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Drake Mateer. uh, First year grad student at the University of Illinois, master's of Public Health, resident of Champaign. Malcolm X stated that the black woman was the most unprotected, the most neglected being, not person, but being in America. It is very unfortunate. Yes, gun violence is an issue. Violence across America has increased dramatically. But the guns that are also used in the streets are probably used behind closed doors on their own partners. And we know that those are majority black women. What about LGBTQ youth? the two main populations that are growing in homelessness as we speak. There's a deferred prosecution program that Kane County put forth in the 90s, where if perpetrators of domestic violence can go through a training and counseling so that they know that they can defeat uh, masculine, hegemonic masculinity, ideas of homophobia or misogyny, right? But then there were also protections for those who were victims or survivors. Of domestic violence. They've shown that the, recidiv- the recidivism rates actually declined for those who were the perpetrators of domestic violence. Why is it that? Every single time we come to the table to discuss black women and LGBTQ youth are put to the side. Why are they always put to the side? It's always directed toward men. But Thomas Sankar said the social Revolution is incomplete without women's liberation. Malcolm X said it ourselves, so how can we love and speak and praise of the brothers, but not live up to their own words and sayings, their own thoughts? We must focus on women. Here's another thing, health advocacy. My grandmother was in clinical care, constant clinical care for eight years. My mother was a pharmaceutical sales rep, and she had the medical terminology. If it was not for my mother prompting diagnosis and prompting procedures, my grandmother probably wouldn't have been here to just the age of 80. What about ensuring that we can hire health advocates? We can start training health advocates so that they can actively go up and follow up with the black woman on screenings on testing for HIV, on testing for breast cancer, on to making sure that their children are fed. Why can't we have health advocates that are willing to tell the doctor that no, you need to recommend this procedure to the sister, not that she can handle it. That's another one. I already talked about freedom school. So I can leave that one. Food insecurity, direct connection, to domestic violence. And it's crazy. We were talking about this in my health behavior theory class today. Today, women and children fighting abuse, they're put in areas of dependency. And that dependency, that gendered politics and racial violence puts them at very uncomfortable positions. What decisions should they make? safety. What about with the diversion program, again with the deferred prosecution? When police are called, police receive calls about domestic violence all the time. Why aren't those numbers? I understand the protections, but how the rates of domestic violence in Champagne? We need that health disparities, we need the health disparity study as well with Champagne and Urbana. But it's been proven that black women are becoming homeless at an alarming rate. See You at Home was closed for a good minute. But See You at Home, and usually mainstream, homeless shelters only are for men, not f- fit for women and children. And if there are certain fundamentalist ideologies, they may not accept children who identify differently. So a homeless shelter is necessary for our women and sisters as well. I end with that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council?
16: Hello everyone, Justin Michael Hendricks, Champaign resident, educational policy major, Parkland College student, creative hidden Homeboy. Um, I will start with saying by the hidden Homeboy pantries have been essential for over a year, and I'll start by saying $150 for two weeks is what it takes whether it's by mutual fund or personal personal pockets. On an average, we're able to feed people, 82 plus individuals we have fed that have utilized the pantry at this downtown location only. For those 82 plus people, three out of 10 are non-LGTBQ black and brown. Seven out of 10 are LGTBQ black and brown throughout the months of July, of May and July. This information was collected directly peer to peer by contact and FOIA request. This also does not include our random trips throughout the city when, this, uh, when See You at Home was shut down or when we're also doing just random work helping the community. The clothing closet that we have collects clothing geared towards women, children, and LGBTQ persons. Six out of 10 persons that utilize the closet identify as LGBTQ and are black and brown. Hidden homeboy is filling a gap and demographic that's overlooked by toxic masculinity, religion, homophobia, transphobia, gatekeeping, and more. Hidden homeboy has done a year's work, and you see it outside with the pantry. I don't need a presentation, you go see the work for yourself. It's being used throughout the city. It's now time to apply pressure. When reviewing the information that was given for the inquiry, over 400, only one was geared toward LGBTQ, with specific means for black and brown people. Only one was geared towards domestic violence. When reviewing the community response for the input, I realized no funding or programming was geared towards black and brown LGBTQ lives. No programming geared towards the black and brown women or girls in the community for the, uh, responses to domestic violence or assault. So many focused programs on gun violence, the black male species, basketball, and self-fulfilling prophecies of reoccurrence to no avail. However, where was the aid for the family of the black queer male Teron Jackson I speak of, who was killed by gun violence? I'll wait. Where's the data that shows the effective change in the community throughout the programming? Where's the data that shows the message at this point because it's diluted? I suggest you consolidate the organizational funds moving forward unless they are for women that are black and brown and LGBTQ people and organizations to flourish and now can be included in this what we call it, American Rescue Plan. Because we're not being rescued. We're being left out. Let's be honest. Let's be clear. It's time to restore the truth. Because last time I checked, as we have queer colored representation on the board, Where is the advancement in the color for black and black and brown, queer and trans people? It's not there in the policy. Check the municipal equality report index of 2021. We are failing as a city. You have the facts. I sent the data. It can be shared amongst each other. Also, it's a disservice when knowing as black and brown people in our community, when we're putting input that we're not included unless we speak about black and brown, queer and trans people because we are black and brown, queer and trans people. I need my black community to wake up, especially when it comes to churches. Really wake up and realize that we too are a part of the movement. Thank you.
0: Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please step forward. Okay, seeing none, council comment. Councilmember Beck.
2: Could we have the poll? when you get a chance. Thanks. Um, Lots of uh, great community input, not only over the last couple months and all of the great engagement that's happened, and I'm very appreciative of the folks that have come out to the events and come to the block parties and come to the different activities that have happened to promote the um, public input for ARPA, but also the folks that have come tonight and then other uh uh, sessions that we've had as council so i very much appreciate all the great input um so you know i am looking forward to supporting the uh the three main topics that have kind of risen to the top which are um infrastructure housing affordability and community violence prevention which i think is a broader concept than um you know, it's a very inclusive concept, community violence prevention that has, that needs to be a, a diverse effort. Uh, and what I'd like to do is discuss those uh, in more detail at our upcoming goal setting sessions, which will be um, a great opportunity for us to dialogue about more specific areas that we would like to um, like to fund and what our goals will be Based on not only what we've discussed in the past, but also what we'd like to do in the future. So, um, thank you for this, and uh, I'll be
1: voting in support of the poll question tonight.
0: Anybody else, Councilmember Panfetti?
1: Thank you, Travis and Kay, for the presentation. Um, I wanted to say that I too would be supporting the three categories and look forward to discussing them more in detail at goal setting. Um, especially in light of um, some of the conversations that went on tonight. Um, I took a lot of notes and been thinking how to maybe incorporate some of the ideas that were shared tonight. Um, In terms of the proposal process, just the one thing is just to make sure that the evaluation and the structure of how we would be looking at the selection process would be made made clear. And I am certainly in support of the grant manager position, knowing how that process and the facilitation and everything involved with grant managing, I, I think that that is something that is, um, would, would be necessary and a, a good um, use of funding. Um, the other thing I, I just want to make as a reminder, while this did not address um, youth programming, I know that was brought up quite a bit, We do have the support of our lift program, and that is something that um, has not gone away. And I I just, in in light of everything, I wanna remind people how important that is as well, and something that the city has partnered with um, Unit 4. So just as a reminder, it certainly could could use more money. (laughs) So certainly as we are considering things, but certainly I, I do not believe that it falls in to um, this pool of money currently, it may, but we do we do address youth programming and, and wraparound services in other ways as well. That doesn't mean that there aren't other ways to look at it, but I did wanna remind people that we do support um, some youth programming uh, through the youth uh, uh, lift program. Um, so yeah, um, thank you very much. Councilmember Fulmer.
17: Yeah, thank you I also uh, would like to uh, echo my my colleagues thoughts um, certainly in support of, of um, the, the grants manager position I think that's critical uh, to um, you know maintaining tracking and, and uh, appropriate use of, of funds uh, particularly for these uh, proposals um, I also am, looking at these three buckets, the infrastructure, uh, community violence intervention and prevention, and um, funding for services for residents without addresses, um, and and other affordable housing programs. Uh, So I too am looking forward to our our goal setting session where we can talk a little bit more uh, in depth about what what each of those buckets looks like. Um, I think we've heard a lot of really great input tonight. Um, that I, I too uh, took a lot of notes on um, things that that we can discuss uh, even more at length as we're kind of uh, thinking about each area of of where we're spending money. So um, so thank you to everyone for for your input. Um, so yes, I I will also say yes to all of these. Thank you, Councilor McLadney.
18: Yeah, I'm in support of all these uh, three main points as well. I appreciate you kind of. Um, condensing them into this, and then that will provide us, I think, a good springboard to work from uh, going forward. Uh, And the grants manager position I think is fine, Uh, stays temporary. Um, I like the idea of working uh, and cooperating uh, with other government agencies so we're not duplicating uh, work, potentially. Um, I think that's very important. Um, I really also wanna make sure uh, that we focus on the community violence intervention aspect. Um, to that end, I kinda of wanna echo Council Member Pianfetti's remarks. Uh, the, uh, you know, we, we should not forget the LIFT program, um, which is um, particularly looking at youth in our community and their families. Um, and I think that is going to be a really uh, strong and uh, powerful uh, long-term project that we'll be working on. So, um, thank you for this presentation tonight. Thank you for all the time staff took in uh, getting community input, and then kind of collating it into this uh, data that we, we we have here in our in our agenda packet and, and in our presentation. And I look forward to further discussion. Thank you.
0: Anyone else, right, Councilmember Kyle's?
18: I want to to uh,
19: agree. I'm in agreement with all of the. Uh, Conversation has been had. Mic. <laughs> oh, I'm in agreement with all of the conversation has been had about the the three proposals. I'm especially um, excited about the the person that will be over the grants because I think that it will allow um, um, individuals without infrastructure but have done community work to be able to be compliant. I know that this is government funding, and so that there are, there are, eyes that have T's that have to be crossed, eyes that have to be dotted, and sometimes, well, a lot of times, that leaves a lot of people who are doing great work out of the equation because of that. And so that, out of all of the pieces, um, that is probably the most important to me. Um, Obviously, the community spoke about violence prevention. Um, I put interruption, um, programs that uh, allow for when violence happens, that type of support that's necessary that we may not have additional funds to, to support that block, to support that community. Um, obviously, we talked about the lift, so I know that's a big deal, um, one that hasn't been you know, a lot of times we talk about violence prevention, um, but we don't talk about economics as a as a part of that. And the reality is, you know, it's just good behavior without, uh, so w- without a, a a a good job or a good business. So I think that's big. What was mentioned, the disparity study. I think uh, I know that I would be in support of it, with the caveat. I know we're not talking about programs, but it was mentioned, so I thought I would mention it, with the caveat that it gives us guidance on how to utilize uh, our diverse uh, businesses, uh, particularly black-owned businesses, sometimes disparity studies, as I've studied them. Uh, We have to make sure that they don't um, undermine our own intentions. And so that's that. I would be in support of a disparity study, but I'd like to look at how disparity studies have been utilized in the past to undermine or to um, our intentions of diversity because they have a lot. Um, Housing. I'm definitely uh, looking at the um, the housing and looking at uh, Mr. Walker. proposal I think that that's I haven't heard a lot of proposals and and of how to not only shelter I think shelters are important um, they are temporary though in nature and that um, it's important to to, to talk about long term long-term housing as well
3: it.
0: anyone else um, I Thank you for the input. Um, I know that we had lots of opportunities for input and we had you know, 300 plus people who filled out the survey. I'm always though kind of amazed at the idea that we have $25 million um, available and we, we aren't like overflowing with people um, who wanna who want talk about it, so for those of you who who are here in person thank you and thank you for bringing your ideas and your enthusiasm for not only the projects you are concerned about but for our community and the betterment of our community um, you know obviously infrastructure councils already given direction on um, you know we're putting about half of our money toward infrastructure and garden hills um, I don't know that and maybe I'm misreading council but I I think when we say that we're going to look at the top three buckets we're not talking about adding more infrastructure I think we've made our infrastructure decision and so then it's flushing out moving forward with that project. the anti-violence or violence interrupter, that could be so many different things. I, I would think it has to include youth programming and um, economics. And, and all of the things that people were talking about tonight are all a piece of that. And so I'm looking forward to goal setting where we can talk in more detail about you know, what do additional or better-funded existing anti-violence programs look like. Um, and then uh, the, the housing and homelessness, which was the third one, again, in some ways, fits under the anti-violence um, umbrella. I mean, we can talk about it separately, but having safe places to live and you know, living in a supported community, I think, will make a difference on the violence front as well. Um, the grant manager position, I am all in favor of. Um, I, I don't know that this position, because I feel like they're gonna have a million things on their plate, um, but one of the things I do, I would like staff to continue to, to look at is um, someone really evaluating not only how we're spending the ARPA money and are we checking all the boxes, but what other funding is available in all these other areas. And I'm just going to throw out the idea, like with broadband, just because we didn't choose broadband as our top three, there is broadband money available available as part of all of the money that has been passed by the federal government, we need to be aware of that and then think about can we move on doing some additional things that are on our list that maybe aren't being spent with ARPA money or can we trade out, you know, if an infrastructure bill finally does get passed, can we trade out some of the infrastructure money for infrastructure bill money um, and have more ARPA money available for other things. So. We're gonna need someone who's monitoring the vast amount of opportunities that are out there and whether this person can do it or maybe that becomes some additional asks. I just want staff to be thinking about that. Um, So our poll question is provide direction to staff on the priority areas for ARPA funding, a proposal process, to allow outside agencies to submit proposals and the creation of the temporary grants writer position, or grants manager position. Councilmember Fulmer. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes.
19: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. And yes, you have your direction. Thank you very much, and thank you for all of the work and for the community for input. Um, So the next item on our agenda is audience participation. Please limit your comments to-
2: Your Your Honor, I don't believe that there's audience participation on a study session night. I think that that's- There actually is on our agenda. There is? It has audience participation, council and city manager comments. I thought that was post-American Rescue Plan input. No, it's additional. Then I'm misreading it. (laughs) You are
0: misreading it. But I would request everybody, if you've already made a statement on a particular topic, please don't repeat that, we've heard you. Um, Please step forward, state your name, and limit your comments to five minutes or less.
11: Alan Max Axelrod, City of Urbana. I want to touch on a previous remark someone else made. Um, When it comes to the cost uh, for housing, The latest estimates, which, you know, the next data product that comes out is the census decennial, there were, I believe, over 6,000 vacant housing units estimated in Champaign. So I think that the market is such that we can find maybe more than 30 housing units at the um, uh, responsibly conservative budget proposed. And that would do a world of good for our community. I also want to um, (laughs) Note in the capacity as the campaign lead for No Ameren Shutoffs, again, a $0 all-volunteer coalition of 49-member organizations spanning the state of Illinois, north, south, east, and west, that President Biden has been advocating for monetary incentives for people to get vaccinated in a guaranteed capacity since April in varying capacities. Wasn't my idea. He begged the business community Then he begged the states. Then he begged the business community again via OSHA on August 13th. And then he directed OSHA to require that businesses with 100 or more employees guarantee paid time off so that people can get vaccinated. I have commented to this body quite a few times on the absence of paid time off off being a significant barrier to people getting vaccinated. This is good, but as Reuters reported, how is OSHA going to be able to enforce this with the millions of employees that will may not even know that they have this right now, or as soon as OSHA comes out with the rule as directed by President Biden. These sorts of procedural friction-inducing gaps will leave people out. This is why I've been advocating to this city council to upward delegate to the governor, to our representative, and to both our senators for financial incentives guaranteed by the state in the case of the governor for people getting vaccinated so that people don't have to guess how it might work for them. Or maybe just for the companies that have 100 or fewer, help the mom and pop shops out, I guess. But we have to do something. The escalation in these benefits wasn't done out of altruism. How low is our vaccination rate? The last time that I commented to this body, I said that we were towards the end of January in terms of the actual seven-day rolling average of our vaccination level. That increase in the vaccination level happened after the FDA approval of the vaccine. It's back down again. It's back down. What we're doing as a country is not working. That is why I'm annoying you. Not because I get off on it, not because I think it's funny. It's lives. That's all it is. The Maintaining Access to Essential Services Act of 2021 would absolve the country of the housing threat that utility shutoffs pose. Some people might be confused when I'm talking about utility shutoffs when people are being evicted. In the state of Illinois, Governor Pritzker renewed the eviction moratorium going through October 3rd, After public statements saying that he would end it in August, his calculus has clearly changed. We can rely on that to be further extended because the coronavirus case is getting worse. We've only had one day since October 3rd, below 2,000 cases in this state. And on the matter of utility shutoffs, as the um, Attorney General Raul, uh, Raul has said, over 800,000 households are at risk, and the majority are not white. So again, please ask Rodney Davis to support the Maintaining Access to Essential Services
0: Thank Act. you. Please state your name and city of residence.
11: Patrick
10: Thompson, Champaign, uh, owner of Via Inc. So I'll come here again tonight um, to talk a little bit more about uh, the city's um, responsibility and what I think that should be um, uh, done regarding um, infrastructure, public work, and economic development. Um, and I'm going to read off some uh, a little bit of data here. So according to the 2019 census, African-American-owned businesses receive less than 1% of state contracts. Less than 1% of state contracts. So I say that to say that the city, Champaign, should really look at Providing full and fair access to local contracting. Now, um, you know, I've been having this conversation with the city for a long time regarding these issues. Now, as an African American, you know, I mean, construction is one of the hardest industries to be in. You know, I experienced discriminatory practices on. The majority of the projects that I'm on, whether it's conscious or subconscious. The first thing I tell somebody I de- first thing I do when I get on a project, that's the first thing I have to deal with is, is some type of discriminatory practices before I can even get into the logistics of the construction project. And, and it is what it is. You know you know, it gets old, but that's what I experience. And some of the other things that I've experienced over the years is a lack of access to capital, networking access, getting timely bid notifications, stereotype, double standards, higher standards on some of the plans and specification requirements, bid shopping, and even being called for the lack of good faith effort. Also, even if there is goals on a contract, that I might get a call, and that's when I was talking about, you know, you know, right now we're experiencing even in some of the, you know, just, you know, even in the 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 areas where there are goals, you know, we're experiencing contractors, you know, not performing the work. So that affects contractors like me that, that do self-perform the work. You know, so there's no compliance. There's no, no way to know if that contractor is actually, you know, supplying those goods or doing those work, or is that the larger contractor performing the work? So there's no way to really tell it because nobody's running compliance. You know, now I got into construction to increase more African-Americans getting into construction trade. That's the reason why I got into construction. You know, I left the nonprofit after school. That's where I've been, construction. I've been doing it since most of y'all know that. Now, I've been asking for to see more set-asides, um, unbundling, gold increase, and shelter market. Those are things I've been asking for so that As an African-American contractor, I'm able to do, you know, bid the projects, hopefully win, and be able to get diversity on there. Most of, by me being a union contractor, most of those apprenticeship programs are three to four years. So it takes four years for that individual to get that actual type of training that they need. I'm hoping that the new director that you guys, public work director that you guys plan on hiring, Will be able to say, I'm going to commit to some of these areas because that's what I think we need to see our next public director uh, commit to. Goal increase, unbundling, small business set aside so we can compete amongst ourselves, ourselves not against large, you know, company. Nobody, none of y'all, you know, you, you guys don't want to go up against Los Angeles, New York. You say it's unfair. Throw your hands up. We can't win. So it's the same concept. So I'm hoping that you guys really consider this, you know, have this conversation with a study session. But you know, these are the things I think I've been consistent with and I and, and I like to see some of those things get implemented. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address council? Please step forward.
9: My name is Reverend Jacqueline Minor and I'm living in Champaign.
6: Reverend Terrence Thomas, I also live in Champaign, and we are here this evening uh, representing, I'm representing two organizations, Ubuntu and the Ministerial Alliance of Champaign-Urbana and Vicinity. If it would please, the City Council, we'd like to read a brief statement. Dear members of the Champaign City Council and City Manager, the Ministerial Alliance of Champaign-Urbana and Vicinity is here tonight to support Ubuntu's proposal to make changes to the recruiting, hiring, and training practices of Champaign's police officers. Changes are needed now and must not be delayed. We are grateful for the efforts of police officers to make our community safe. While entrusted with public safety, they are uniquely authorized to use daily force. Because police officers possess the legal power to maim and take life, it is of the utmost importance that they operate without racial bias, are highly trained in the basic policing skills, de-escalation communication techniques, and can apply them in culturally informed in a culturally informed, humane way. Further, it is imperative that police officers act with knowledge and in accordance with departmental policy and the law. Because people of color, Black, Asians, Hispanics, and poor people of all colors are victims of repressive tactics, we believe that a different approach must be constructed in Champaign. We agree to the following recommendations of Mbutu. The employment of a a psychologist trained in the use of uh, psychological instruments such as COBRA's colorblind racial attitude scale to be used in pre-employment, medical, and psychological testing phase of the hiring process. Preference should be given to candidates who spent their formative years in communities with racial makeup like that of Champagne, 18% Black, 11% Asian, 6% Latino, or one-third darker people. Candidates should be ones who have been socialized in a racially diverse community, or ones who have taken steps to overcome their sociological and psychological disadvantage by taking courses in African-American Asian, Latino, woman, Indian, gender studies, et cetera. We support Ubuntu's proposal to add counselors, social workers, and community-based specialists as part of the initial and ongoing training of police officers. These professionals would be assigned to focus on mental health, domestic abuse, homeless, and social issues in the community. Emphasize de-escalation and make use of gun force the last option. And lastly, we urge the city of Champaign to invest funds in social services education including trained training officers by uh offered by parkland college mental health drug rehabilitation and jobs thank you and god bless Thank you
0: thank you is there anyone else seeing no one else counts comment city manager okay we need a motion to adjourn
1: madam mayor i move we adjourn
0: All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign, we are adjourned.